We live in a time of tremendous opportunity for innovators, entrepreneurs, and those with skill and imagination. But it seems at every turn, there are forces that slow us down or get us off track. I believe you can trigger your independence and lead a flourishing life, be free to choose, and live according to your own values. Join us in a conversation about big ideas in life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness. Welcome to the John Riley Project. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And we're back at you. Got another really great podcast in store for you today. We're going to talk actually a bunch of things. You know, I just got back from a, a road trip and I want to tell you about this road trip. It was great. I'm calling it a free road trip. And we'll talk a little bit about that, how so many opportunities along the way kind of was able to get, um, how should I say, a lot of benefits along the way that really um, was awesome. And I want to I share all of that with you. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the Delta variant. We're going to talk about Tonopah, Nevada. We'll talk a little bit about uh, gambling in Tahoe, uh, craps, maybe a little Major League Baseball trade deadline. So I got a bunch of things in store for you. But I uh, just want to say, hey, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. And um, uh, you know, we welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. So feel free to type those in on either Facebook or YouTube. I'll be happy to read your questions or comments on the air. And we'll make this a fun discussion, a fun conversation. Um, and, and then actually, when you get near the end of the uh, podcast episode, I'll give you a couple of updates on the John Riley Project and what's been going on and what are my plans. And I've got a few, a few new twists that I want to share with you. And I'll, I'll do that at the end of our conversation. So at any rate, uh, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. So anyways, um, I just got back from Tahoe. And uh, I I left Friday. I got back last night, and and this was just a, such a great trip. And you know, I'm a big fan of road trips. I've shared a number of my road trips as podcast episodes, particularly because I drive an electric vehicle, and taking an EV on a long road trip is something of an adventure. I mean, it's it's gotten a lot easier as more and more infrastructures are being put in. But I've driven my electric vehicle all the way to Albuquerque and back, you know, San Diego to Albuquerque, back when New Mexico had very, very little in- infrastructure for charging stations. I probably could have counted all of the high-speed charging stations in the entire state on one hand. Um, and I remember driving back to uh, you know, to, to Albuquerque back in 2019, and, and I've done a bunch of other road trips. <laughs> Frankly, I remember I did a crazy one in my old BMW i3. This is probably like in 2015, and I drove that through the desert all the way to Vegas back when there were no charging stations between – Baker, California, you know, the home of the world's largest thermometer and uh, Las Vegas. So um, anyways, I, I, I went on a different trip t- this time. We went up to Tahoe. We, I, I was a solo trip. So I went up to Tahoe and I was there to meet up with my friend Jack. And I've commented about Jack a number of times. He's a good friend of mine from college. He lives in San Francisco. We share a lot of common interests. We're both sports fans. We were both in the same fraternity in college. We, you know, obviously we know a lot of the same people. Um, in particular, we're both big San Francisco Giants fans. I mean, that was my boyhood team that I was a big fan of. So we always have so much to talk about, you know, and so it's nice to connect with him. And he was commenting about how he really wanted to go gamble. He hadn't been gambling since this whole COVID crisis started. And now that 
the restrictions were beginning to lift. And this is before the whole Delta variant thing came up. You know, this is like back in May, I think. Yeah, like around May, he started saying, you know, I want to go on this road trip. And and I said, hey, man, I'd love to join you. I mean, because I'm always looking for an excuse for a road trip. And I enjoy, I've talked about these sabbaticals that I do from time to time, especially during COVID when we've all felt cooped up. Sometimes I'll just leave and, and I'll go and um, go to different places and get an Airbnb. And, and, you know, the beauty of my job, my career is that I'm something of a, a digital nomad. I'm, you know, I'm a mobile worker. I can work anywhere. And so, I like to go on these sabbaticals from time to time, and I, I can be very productive, get my work done, and still have fun, go on an adventure, see new things, and then kind of you know clear my mind while I'm out on the road. So when he said he wanted to go to Tahoe to gamble, I'm like, right on. I go, I'll be happy to join you. And he said, you'll drive all the way up from San Diego? And I said, yeah. And it was only for one night. It was just for a Saturday night. And we had been trying to plan this trip, you know, through June and through July. And then he had conflicts. I had conflicts. So finally, it was this weekend. And boom, we went. And it was it was a great trip, man. And, you know, when I go on these trips, when I'm by myself, you I know, mean, it's what, like 500 something miles to go from San Diego up to Tahoe. You know, I'm alone driving. It's really, really therapeutic for me. I mean, I'm listening to other podcasts that I really enjoy and I can listen to a, a long form, long, a long podcast without any interruptions. Um, I'm clearing my mind. Sometimes when I'm out on the road, I can, I can think, you know, um, more creatively. New ideas come to me um, a lot easier than when I'm in my common surroundings. You know, it's just a pattern interrupt for me. And I, I really value that. And I just kind of like having some alone time. So, yeah, we planned this trip and it was, I left on Friday and here, here's my plan. So I was planning to leave on Friday um, and then I was going to stop roughly halfway up. I mean, back when I was younger, I would make the drive from San Diego to San Francisco all in one day. Well, I could still do that now, but if I don't have to do it, why do it? You know, so now I just plan it where I stop roughly halfway. I'll get an Airbnb there and then I'll, I'll make the second leg of the trip the next day. And it's just, it's, it's easier and it's more relaxing. And on the night that I stop, I still get work done. And so it works out really well for me. Well, when you're going from San Diego to Lake Tahoe, you know, going up the five or the 99 freeway, that just, that just sucks. I mean, that's just not a very pleasant drive. So the way to do it is to go up the 395 on the Eastern Sierras. And it's just a gorgeous drive. So when I'm going up that road, you know, there's not a whole lot of places to stay. And then if you're looking at Airbnb and when I set up my filters, you know, I have like want to have my own place um, and I want to not make it a crazy expensive place. It's got to have air conditioning. It's got to have Wi-Fi. And, and then I filter out some of the oddball cases. You know, if you go on Airbnb and if you set your budget, you know, modestly, you know, you get a lot of, especially in the state of California, are people that are renting out their RVs or their trailers or even just a simple camper. There's even people that are, you know, renting out tents, uh, you know, they're kind of it's sort of I guess they call it glamping. Right. So it's like glamorous camping. But you'd be surprised how many people rent out RVs and, and campers 
as Airbnbs. Now, granted, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> I have my own minimum standards. It's got to be like a regular house or a condo or a townhome or an apartment. Uh, and, you know, I filter out all the ones. I don't want to share a room in someone's house. I, I like to have my own place. And so, you know, it worked out that I was going to stop in Ridgecrest on my drive up. And Ridgecrest, I've spent one night in Ridgecrest before at an Airbnb on a previous trip that I took to Tahoe. And I did that on the way back. But this time I was going northbound. I wanted to try out a different place in Ridgecrest. So I was going to do that. I was going to spend one night. That was going to be Saturday night up in Incline Village up in North Lake Tahoe. And then after that, I was going to drive home. I And I hadn't figured out my pathway home, but I know that I had a meeting this morning, which is Wednesday. I had a meeting this morning here in San Diego. So I was going to spend the night somewhere on Mon- Sunday night and on Monday night, and then I was going to drive home Tuesday so that I can be home Tuesday night so I can go to my meeting on Wednesday. That was my plan. So anyways, I and I, I kind of like not having a specific plan on the way back. I, I, I sort of like winging it to a degree because it's more adventurous. It's a little more fun. And then besides the fact that I can be on Airbnb and waste a ton of time just obsessing over all the different places I could possibly stay and debating in my mind. And so at any rate, this is my plan. I was driving up Friday. I was going to come home Tuesday. And the the main objective was to get up to Incline Village to see my friend Jack and hang out with him and and uh, and and do a little gambling. And so that was that was the idea. So. On Friday, I'm packing and I'm getting all my stuff organized and I've got to have, you know, my suitcase of stuff. I've got to have my work stuff. Um, I pack some of my podcast gear. Just if I happen to have the inspiration to do an episode, I, I bring some of that with me and and then I'm on my way. And so the, the interesting part of this is, is that I had... I don't know if you're like this. If you get gift cards from friends, maybe as, as gifts... Uh, I had a number of gift cards that I just had never used. And I thought, oh, this is a perfect time to use them. So I gathered up a bunch of, this is weird, I had a bunch of Starbucks gift cards. But then I also had one gift card that was back in the, I like 20, when was this? Like 2011 through 2013, I used to have a Ford Fiesta. It was a great little car, and I, it, was a, it was a stick shift with a clutch. Ford Fiestas, you kind of think are funky little cars, but the one I had was great, especially because it was a, it was a manual transmission. Well, anyways, um, later on, it turned out that there was a, 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 like a mass recall on those cars, or no, a class action lawsuit on those cars. And then I ended up getting a gift card from Ford. It was like, or it was like 55 bucks. It wasn't much. But then the other part of it is, is that I'm, you know, I, I, I drive now a Hyundai Kona electric vehicle, and they're in the process of doing this big recall on the batteries. And so Hyundai is really incentivizing all of their EV drivers to take them into the dealership to be inspected, you know, to basically cover Hyundai's butt. And they said, if you bring your car in, um, we'll give you a $200 gift card. So I had that gift card. I had the 55 bucks from Ford. I had about three or four Starbucks gift cards. And I said, all right, I got cash in my pocket, no problem, but I got all these gift cards. I'm going to make make this part of the trip and part of the fun. So headed up, and this was on, on Friday, and I'm going to Ridgecrest, right? So I left midday Friday, and I'm on my way to Ridgecrest, and, you know, driving, you know, through the, what, Riverside, San Bernardino, up to 215, and eventually over the Cajon Pass. And this was 
right before the the, tr- the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So I was, uh, for me, I'm a huge baseball fan. And this week, the week leading up to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, for me, is like Christmas. Because uh, there's all these big moves, and some years are, are more spectacular than others. But a lot of players switch teams, and it really kind of shakes up everything in Major League Baseball. And I'm always interested in what my hometown Padres are going to do. And of course, I'm interested in the Giants, because that's my my childhood team, and our are they going to make deals? And, and you know, this whole time, the Padres were thinking they were going to get Max Scherzer. And I was ecstatic about that. And then I learned, like, at the last minute, that deal kind of flipped on its head. And the Dodgers ended up getting Scherzer and Trey Turner. And I'm like, oh, my God. But it appeared, you know, that, you know, the, the market was such that they were asking a ton, you know, for some of these starting pitchers. In a way, I, I kind of think that's good for the Padres that they didn't, you know, really go all in because, you know, that was the thing that Preller always talked about is that he wanted to make sure that every deal he got, he was winning the deal on a value for value basis. He didn't want to essentially, you know, buy high or sell low. He wanted to do the opposite. So the fact that they didn't do a deal, but all these other teams did, but they paid a ton for these players. They gave up tons of prospects and capital to get rid of these players. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe a little bit of discipline, not a bad deal. Well, the Giants ended up getting Chris Bryant, which was huge. And I know he hit a home run on his first game on Saturday for them. But I, I was just like mesmerized by this whole thing. And then the, the trade deadline ended about one. And I'm still going northbound. I'm on the 395. And by this time, I'm, I've already gone through um, Hesperia, you know, kind of near Victorville. And now I'm really in the high desert, you know, in the boonies of the high desert driving. And, you know, there's nothing in either direction. And it's just dry and arid. And, you know, just it's just that's part of the drive isn't very pleasant. And I'm, I'm looking for a charging station, right? Because I was fully charged when I left the house. Well, sort of fully charged. I was only at 80%. And that's one of the bummers with my electric vehicle now with my, because there's a recall on my battery, I'm limited in only charging my battery up to 80%. Um, because if I go beyond that, there's a risk that it could catch on fire. I know this, this, this news plays right into the hands of all the anti-EV people. But, you know, Hyundai's just being careful. And I'm actually going to get a brand new battery. And it's I've already scheduled that appointment for Monday of next week. And then when they put the new battery in, I can go back to 100% full charge. So I left Poway with only 80% full charge. And I got over the Cajon Pass, got through Hesperia. And I was, like, needing a charge. And I had planned this out. And I saw that they put in a new charging station in Boron, California, B-O-R-O-N. You think, where in the hell is that? Boron, it sounds like, isn't Boron like one of the elements on the, 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 you know, the table of elements that we all learned in chemistry back in high school? Um, but it's a city out there you know, in the high desert, and they put in a new rest area, and they put in charging station there, a high-speed charging station, and it was free to use. And this is the part of my trip that was just so awesome. And that's why I'm calling this, you know, a free road trip because, you know, you go on a road trip normally in a gasoline car, you're paying for gas. How much is gas these days? It's over four bucks a gallon in many parts here around San Diego. If not over four, I know it's in the very high $3 range. You know, driving back and forth to Tahoe in a gasoline car, I mean, that could cost 
I don't know how much. I mean, I'm so out of touch with gasoline prices. What four bucks a gallon? Let's say, yeah, just to make the math easy, you've got a ten gallon tank. Um, so that's forty bucks to fill it up, and that ten gallon tank might get you two hundred and fifty miles. So that's um, forty bucks for two hundred and fifty miles, and it's a thousand round trip. So that's like one hundred and sixty bucks in gas if you were to do that. Is, is that right? Am I doing my math right, or does that sound too high? Um, but at any rate, I went for free. I mean, with some rare exceptions, I got charging on my whole trip for zero dollars. So I roll in a, in a boron, go to the, the charging station. And this is really close to the intersection of the 58 and the 395. And if you've ever been there, it's, it's normally like this old, at least the last time I drove through there, it was a, it's a four-way stoplight. You know, and and there's like a gas station and convenience store on, I think, three of the four corners, if I recall. Well, they recently now just extended the freeway. So there's like a legit like overpass that goes over the 395 and you can get on a freeway. And so I just ended up having to go westbound on the 58, like about, I don't know, eight or 10 miles. And I got to Boron, got into the into the uh, rest area. And there's the charging station, man. I, I just went in, I plugged it in, I hit one button, boom, I'm charging. And I'm thinking, this is great. And and so this all, you know, well, first of all, it, it I'm saying it's free. It's not really free. I mean, obviously we pay a, a shit ton in taxes in California. So this is this is put in by Caltrans and it's put in at a rest stop um, or rest area, excuse me, a rest area along the 58 freeway. So this is a government program, um, but it's it's available for free use. And I rolled in and there's no one there. I just rolled in, no problem, plugged in. And then, you know, it, it'll take me about 45 minutes to charge my car, but it's not a problem. You know, I, I have my laptop and um, I have this kind of, this device that I got for my car that it's like a... Um, Remember like back in the day when you go to A&W Root Beer um, and the car hops would come to your car and they would put a tray on your window and they had these little clamps that would go over the window and then you had a tray. Well, this device I have is similar, but it hooks onto your steering wheel and it essentially you can create like a little desk. So I can like put this contraption on my steering wheel and then suddenly I could put my laptop there and while I'm charging, and then I, I just tether it to the um, uh, uh, to a what do they call it a mobile hotspot on my phone, and boom, I'm on the internet, man. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm actually taking care of some business for my clients while I'm sitting there waiting for my car to charge. Not a big deal. Only 45 minutes. And the other thing that I do, by the way, is I also when I'm on the ro- on these road trips, I also do a review of all the new EV charging stations that I've ever been to. And so if you're really into this, you can go check it out. I have a second YouTube channel. It's called Trigger Energy. So if you go there, you can see I probably got like 40 or 50 um, like short little three, four minute videos of a review of the charging station and how it worked and and was it easy to start up and what's going on in the in the area around it. And I've actually built up like a little bit of a community of people that subscribe to that channel and follow me. Um, and it's part of some of my EV adventures, which is kind of fun. So I charged the car and Boron. I was there for like 45 minutes. I was working and then boom, I'm back on the road. And um, I'm heading back up and I, I get to Ridgecrest. Okay, and I've ever been to Ridgecrest. It's it's kind of 
in the high desert, right? And it's off the 395 and it's, it's before you get to the beautiful part of the 395, you know, you're not quite in the Eastern Sierras yet. You're still in the high desert. And I come rolling into Ridgecrest and, you know, Ridgecrest is a decent sized city. I mean, especially in that part of California where most of the towns, you know, town might be a generous word. Um, this this was a legitimate city. I mean, I, I remember looked it up on um, on Wikipedia. I think there was like about 10,000 people that lived there and maybe it was more than that. Um, and I'm going in, I'm like, why is this city in Ridgecrest? Why does it exist? And you know, I, I drove around and I figured out, hey, there's a huge naval air base there, China Lake. I didn't know this. Um, and they do a lot of testing of like nuclear um, bombs, apparently, or and, and a, a certain kinds of airplanes and other kinds of weapons. They test out there at the China Lake Reserve. And, you know, granted, I saw the, the, the base was in one corner of town. Yeah, Dana uh, Sterl on the live stream says China Lake. Yeah, as it was China Lake, Dana. And I looked it up on Wikipedia and well over half the people in China, in Ridgecrest seem to work for the Navy, you know, on that air base. Um, and then obviously the rest of the community sort of supports them. But it was interesting. Um, you know, it's almost like this little spot, you know, in the middle of the high desert where there was like a legit city and, you know, had like Walmart and, you know, everything, right? It was like a, a bigger town. Um, so I, anyways, I ended up staying up, up in Ridgecrest and got an Airbnb and it was, you know, kind of a nice, simple Airbnb. It was like two bedrooms, two bath, and I had the place to myself and it wasn't that expensive. I think it was like about a hundred bucks for the night, plus, you know, a couple of surcharges for the Airbnb fees. But, you know, definitely on par what, what I would get for a hotel room. But now I had like a kitchen. I had like a, I used the dining room table as a place to set up my my computer. I brought my monitor with me um, and I was able to be productive and to work while I was there. And then they had a big screen TV in the living room. And so I was able to um, live stream the Padres game on Bally's, on the Bally's app, um, if I recall. Yeah. And I did it from the Bally's app on my phone, which then activated the Bally app on the TV. And that was the Friday night game. I think that was the game where Tatis re-injured his left shoulder, which sucked. Um, and, and that just made the, the, the trade deadline day even worse. They didn't go out and get a good, a big starter, a starting pitcher, which I hoped for. And Tatis got hurt. Um, but anyways, it was, it was nice. And then while I was in Ridgecrest, you know, when I'm on these road trips, I just, you know, when, when I drink, I like to have a gin martini. That's kind of my thing. And my friend, one of my friends, Rex, turned me on to these like about 20 years ago. And they're just really nice drinks and they're elegant and they're simple. It's just, it's just cold gin, you know, in a shaker, you know, shaken, not stirred. Some places will put in a little vermouth, but sometimes just cold gin, you know, in a martini glass. And it's just really refreshing. And I really like that. Well, I go into, into Ridgecrest. I'm thinking, oh, that sounds so good. And I, but I was wondering, I, if, do people order martinis in Ridgecrest? And, and so I went up, I went to one place. Um, it was a sports bar. I figured, okay, good. I can go there, watch the Padre game. This is before I streamed it back in the con, the, it wasn't really a condo. It was more like a, like a, sort of like a duplex that I was in. But at any rate, I figured I could go watch the Padre game, have a drink, get something to eat, and then I can come back and, 
you know, watch the rest of the game at my Airbnb. Well, the person there, when I said, you know, do you have martinis? Can you make a martini? And she looked stunned and like, like a deer in the headlights. Like I was asking her to make some kind of a concoction, a recipe she had never heard of. And before I had a chance to say, you know, don't worry about it. Just give me a beer. She just took off and she went to the back of the bar and I saw her like reading through some manual. And I was like, she, um, maybe she doesn't know how to do this and she's trying to figure it out. And then I was about to stop her again. And then she went back into the back of the bar. I don't know, to talk to someone. And, and by this point, I'm like now thinking, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen now. So I, before I figured I, I was going to stop her, but then I figured, well, why stop? Let's just see how this turns out. And so she ended up coming to me with with this this. They, first of all, they didn't have martini glasses at this place. And the whole time I'm thinking what an idiot I was. I mean, I'm in Ridgecrest. I mean, this isn't, you know. A, a high high end resort town. I should have just ordered a damn beer, but um, she comes back and she's got this. It's like a margarita glass, and it was really full. I mean, way more booze in this glass than you would ever expect in a martini. And I took a sip of it, and I was like, "Oh, this is horrible. This is awful." I think I'm guessing it was like way too much vermouth, and so I didn't want to feel make her feel bad. So I took a sip of it and smiled. And then she kind of wandered off helping other customers. And I sat there thinking, well, what am I going to do? Do I sit here and drink all this? But this is crap. It tastes terrible. And I'm in this crazy bar somewhere in Ridgecrest. I go, I don't need to be here. So I just got the, the it was a $10 deal. I left a $5 tip, 15 bucks. I was out the door. And I said, I'm going to try one more place. And I ended up going to this other place and it was like the exact same experience. I get there. Well, this one, the the bartender said she has no problem making martinis, but then I saw her make it and she put in all of this bizarre stuff in the glass, like some, this, it was like something that was red and it was syrupy or something. I, I didn't know what in the hell it was. And then she gave it to me and I took a sip of it, you know, and I'm expecting this clean, refreshing taste, you know, because gin has like a juniper taste to it. This was like, um, like a, like a slushy. It was like sweet and it was just, it was just terrible. And so I did the same thing. I took a sip, didn't like it. I left a very generous tip and just walked out the door and I said, okay, I'm not going to go for a third strike here. Went back to my Airbnb and, uh, watched the ball game and then, um, you know, crashed that night. And then, headed back up on the road. And so by this time it's Saturday. Okay. And so it's Saturday and I'm driving up, up on northbound on the 395. And by this time I'm getting into like the beautiful part of the 395, you know, where you're going through, um, Lone Pine and Big Pine. And there's a number of other different cities there that are these small towns kind of in this area where, you know, the further North you go, you start to see more green, more of the pines, uh, because you're getting to higher and higher elevations, but then the the the, the dirt becomes redder, and it, you start to see the contrast between the red clay-like dirt and the green pine trees. I mean, not nearly as spectacular of a contrast as you would see in Sedona or Flagstaff, but sort of a watered-down version of that. And I really like that. I think it's beautiful. Um, and so that part of the drive is way in the hell better than driving up the five or the 99. Um, so going up the 395 is really a nice drive. And 
So I ended up identifying there was another EV charging station, and it was in Independence, California. And and, and by the way, before I get to this, I just want to make you guys all aware, this is a live stream. So it, by all means, if you have questions or comments, type them in on Facebook or YouTube. I'll read them on the air and we'll have a conversation. So I'm going up the 395. I go through the town of Independence and just north of it, there's another rest area. And they've got another high speed charging station that's free. And so I roll in, I plug in, and it's the same thing. You know, um, I one button push, I, I'm charging and I'm like, this is great, you know, and the whole time I'm just thinking, you know, this is all part of my strategy of playing the game. Right. Um, we pay a ton in taxes in California and I'm going to figure out strategies to get my money back. OK, now I don't I drive an EV um, and I love my electric vehicle. I've been driving a, some version of an electric vehicle since 2013. And my wife has an electric car and we charge them from solar. And I like this ecosystem that we've built. And it's just unbelievably efficient financially. And then, you know, bonus, it has um, benefits for saving the planet, you know, for, for combating climate change in our own little modest incremental way that we can. But for me, a big part of owning an EV is to take advantage of all the financial incentives, you know, because... I'm getting, you know, roughly 10 grand from the federal and state government combined. Um, I got, uh, I get, you know, almost free access into the HOV lane up and down the 15 freeway that I can drive in it by myself, which is huge. Plus, I drive around town. There's places like in front of Target here in Poway. I get free charging. Uh, I go up to the Stone Brewery up in Escondido. I get free charging. I mean, there's all kinds of free charging opportunities. Um, and, you know, before we got solar, we actually were able to get a discount on our SDG&E rate because we had EVs. So th everywhere you turn, you know, there's all kinds of incentives to get an electric vehicle. And then besides, I like them because they're fun to drive. They're really fast. They got all kinds of technology and gizmos that are cool. And then my wife's Tesla, she has a Model 3. That's just, that's a much more sexy car than my little Hyundai Kona. But anyways, I, I, part of the reason I drive the EV is to what I call, quote, play the game. The playing the game is, is how can I find opportunities to get as much money back as I can to essentially play the system the way it was built and intended to be played? Because I don't, you know, from a political perspective, I don't I don't support, you know, huge subsidies to people to buy these cars, which end up turning into corporate welfare for these companies. I mean, you think about Elon Musk. Look at how he's making his money. He's making it all off the backs of taxpayers. He's making money um, with Tesla, which gets huge subsidies to, to, to the car buyers. But those car buyers right in turn give the subsidy to Elon Musk. Um, he gets subsidies um, for so Solar City. And that all is funded largely, partly by government, partly privately financed. And then even a great deal of the profits in Tesla come from carbon trading credits where other auto man automobile manufacturers will buy credits from uh, Tesla so they can be compliant with the um, some of the climate change laws. And that just puts more money into Musk's pocket, but it's all driven by government policy. So a lot of this I don't agree with politically, but from a pragmatic perspective, you know, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I can because I want to play the game. So I roll into independence. There's free charging. 
I plug in. Not a problem. And so the only bummer was is that the the um, the cellular signal there was awful. There was like it showed on my phone one bar, but I mean I think it was zero bars. I couldn't get anything. So I ended up walking around at the at the rest area, and you know you go and there's the bathroom, but they usually have these displays, right, where they, they have a maps and maybe the CHP will have information. But then there's usually displays that talk about the nature and the wildlife and the history in that area. And it was very interesting. I mean, I was reading about how back in the 1800s, you know, right around the time that California became a state, when was that, 1850, I think. So this is right around that time frame. You know, there were a lot of native tribes that um, were in that area, and the um, you know the the Californians, I should say, you know the the, the westward settlers w- got in battles with these Indians, and eventually the Indians lost that battle, and they ended up um, taking them out of that area of independence, and they took them to a place they called it Tejon. And when I hear Tejon, T-E-J-O-N, I think of, isn't that the name of the summit along the grapevine, the Tejon Pass? I think it is. But anyways, they they walked them that full distance um, and relocated them because that area around Independence had so much um, mining opportunity, you know, for gold and silver. And, and so they they ejected them. And, and which is interesting. It's almost like a mini trail of tears, right? You know, when they brought the the Indians out of Florida and marched them all the way to Oklahoma and so many of them died along the trip. Well, apparently this was kind of the same thing. And many of those natives died on that trip. Now, they have since that time have some of those natives have come back into the area and resettled and sort of reclaimed their ancestral roots. But what a bunch of BS. And they named the city Independence <laughs> after they're essentially taking people away and violating their freedom, their independence, and relocating them somewhere else by the point of a gun. So I'm reading about this at the rest area, which is mind-blowing. I had no idea about it. And anyways, my, my car charges, and, um, and I'm on my way. And all this time, I'm, I'm driving, and I—, I you know, was getting really kind of spotty uh, cell coverage on my drive. So I didn't download podcasts in advance. I usually just stream them. Well, I wasn't able to listen to any of my podcasts. So I have like Sirius XM in my car and I'm listening to the news. And this is when, you know, over the weekend, there was a lot of big news about COVID that came out and people were reporting how, how easy it is for people that are vaccinated to be, you know, either reinfected and certainly to pass on the virus. Um, you know, we were they. I guess they did a study of a town. Where was it in Rhode Island or Massachusetts? And there was an extraordinarily high percentage of vaccinated people that had the virus. They had a, what they call, I guess, a heavy viral load, which means the virus was inside of them. But since they were vaccinated. They were essentially asymptomatic. You know, it didn't it didn't really latch on and make them sick. Now, some people got might have gotten a little bit sick. And so it, this whole Delta variant thing was a huge part of the news. And of course, it's creating this new level of hysteria about masking and vaccination. And and then we see a lot of 
virtue signaling and shaming of people that are vac- that aren't vaccinated. Sometimes the unvaccinated shame the people that are vaccinated. I mean, it's just nuts. And it's turned into this whole political this stupid political discussion when it really should be purely a finan- uh, not financial, a, 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 a scientific or healthcare matter. I mean, I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. Our two children are vaccinated. I mean, because I don't want to get sick. Okay. And, and even if I know a vaccination isn't foolproof, I mean, but if you, if I did get the virus, I know the chances of me getting seriously ill are really low and, and definitely going to the hospital or, you know, dying almost, almost near zero. So getting the vaccination for me was an easy decision. I mean, it's, you know, some people get the vaccination and they say, I'm getting this vaccination because I want to save the world. I want to protect other people. And I'm like, okay, no, that's fine. But for me, I, I got the vaccination because I don't want to get sick. <laughs> for me, it was totally selfish. So I'm listening to all this hysteria on on many of these news stations about COVID and, you know, people talking about mask mandates and states talking about bringing back mask mandates. And then all this time I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And I go, well, um, yeah, I, I, I re-verified. I had my mask in my car because, you know, here I am. I'm going up to Tahoe to go into a casino indoors, you know, to – play craps and have some fun with my buddy. Um, And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, this is this is an issue, you know, because the with the Delta variant kind of ramping up and and, uh, you know, with mask mandates. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen when I got up there. Um, But I'll just say this. I mean, with right now, I mean, this is kind of my take on the whole covid thing is. Obviously, it's a it's a legit problem. I mean, it's obviously a virus. It's 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 dangerous. I got vaccinated. I recommend you get vaccinated. But that's that's ultimately your choice. Okay. Um, but I'm of the opinion now. It's like the vaccinations are widely available, and in many cases they're free. Um, and if you don't want to get a vaccine, I figured okay, that's that's on you. All right. And if you don't want to get a vaccine because for whatever reason, I mean, if you've got, I mean, I've heard so many different reasons. I mean, there's like political reasons, health reasons, worrying reasons about long-term side effects. I mean, there's every possible excuse, but I figure if you don't want to get the vaccine, then don't get it, but then be prepared to suffer the consequences of your choice. So that's why I'm kind of of the opinion now is a lot of these restrictions or shutdowns that are being proposed to reemerge again about COVID. I think we really don't need to pursue any of that. I mean, people just need to live their values. And, you know, if a, if a business has a mask mandate, then, yeah, I'll comply. But otherwise, you know, I'm going to live my life and I'm I'm protecting myself and I'm. I'm vaccinated. I generally socially distance. Like, frankly, I socially distanced before it became a thing. Um, and I try to protect myself. But if, you know, there's a lot of people that want to make vaccination mandatory. Like they want to make it, you know, they were, people were saying, well, in the past it was mandatory with smallpox and polio. And I, remember I that didn't sound right to me. I mean, you know, especially in a nation that's supposed to be all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, why would you mandate someone get um, a, a vaccine? But it turned out, I, based on my limited research, I discovered is that 
with smallpox, it wasn't mandated by the government. It was you got to you had to get a vaccine. And if you didn't, you paid a fine. And it, it was like 15 bucks. But that was like 100 years ago. Right. So it's it's, it's you know, I'm guessing was like a hundred dollar fine, two hundred dollar fine, something like that. Um, and then even the polio vaccine, I don't know if that was ever mandatory. To me, that just seems like the wrong approach. But I know a lot of businesses are really now, and this makes a lot of sense to me, a lot of businesses are making the vaccine um, not a mandate or requirement, but they're saying we expect, we encourage all of our employees to be vaccinated. But if you choose not to get vaccinated, then we're going to test you like once a week, twice a week, every time you come to work. Um, and I don't know how they're doing the testing now. I don't know if they're st- still sticking that big Q-tip up your nose. But I know that if you're working at a place, getting tested all the time would be a pain. It'd be a nuisance. That in and of itself might encourage some people to get the, um, the vaccine. But I know there's still a lot of people that have no interest in getting the vaccine. And there's a lot of reasons why they're coming up with it. Some of them have some sort of credibility, but a lot of it to me is just kind of BS. But there are a lot of people that don't want to get the vaccine, a lot of it for political reasons. So they are kind of, you know, tribally organized. They, um, you know, kind of fall in line with what their political tribe tends to speak to. For a lot of these people, no amount of convincing is going to change their mind. No amount of being holier than thou and banging them over the head and saying, you don't trust the science, you don't believe in the science. That's not going to change their minds. They're, they're just going to keep digging their heels What's going to ultimately change their mind is when their loved ones start getting sick and start going to the hospital and God forbid some of them dying. That's what's going to get them to change their mind. I mean, we, I was hearing stories on my drive where, you know, people were in the hospital with COVID with, you know, those, those tubes going down your throat so you can breathe. And then these people, they're angry with themselves because they didn't get the vaccine. So anyways, I'm driving up, you know, up to Tahoe and that's all this is on the news the whole time. And I'm thinking about it. And I and then anyways, I keep going. I was in Independence and I went north and it wasn't that much further. And I got to Bishop and Bishop's actually another one of the decent sized cities um, along that drive. And sure enough, Bishop also had free charging. And so I'm I'm going to take advantage. The last time when I drove through Bishop, they had charging from a company called EVGo. You know, in the world of EV charging, there are companies, um, you know, like in gasoline, you have Chevron and Shell and Mobile and, you know, all the gasoline companies, Ampium, not Ampium, Arco, you have Arco. But in the world of electric vehicles, there's EVGo, there's Electrify America, there's ChargePoint, there's EV Connect. Um, EVGo is a pretty popular one. So is Electrify America, especially lately. And there's an EVGo station in Bishop that I've used in the past. And it might cost me I don't know, like 10 bucks to go from 10% to 80% in my car. Um, Kevin Kennedy on the live stream says, Shots Bakery is a must while in Bishop. I wish I would have known that. I would have stopped there. Um, not that I need any more baked goods in my my not so girlish figure. Um, but thanks, Kevin. I, that's a good, that's a, like shot, like Marge shot. Remember Marge shot, the former owner of the Cincinnati Reds? Who, what a, the, remember her? She was bizarro. She was crazy. Um, she walked around with her St. Bernard, who called it Shotzi. And I remember she was being interviewed and she was praising Hitler, saying that, oh, Hitler did a lot of good things. <laughs> you know, when people start doing that, I just wonder if they're sane in the head. Um, 
And even even for a minute, even if you want to think that maybe one percent of Hitler's life, he actually did good things. You just can't say that. Otherwise, you're going to get slammed. Sure enough, she ended up getting slammed. I think she had to sell the team. I think Major League Baseball came down on her. Her, her last name was Schott, just like Schott's Bakery and, and Bishop, S-C-H-O-T-T. But anyways, I, went, I was there, and, and, and there's a, a Department of Transportation office right off the 395. They had another charging station, free. And I figured, you know, I didn't really need to charge but I figure, what the hell? It's free. It's almost like if you're driving a gasoline car down the road and there's a gas station that says free gas and there's no line. Maybe you have two thirds full, you know, would you stop and top off that extra third in your car if there's free and there's no line? Well, that's what I did essentially. So I I've charged up my car and then I started going from Bishop starting to really now get some elevation and get going up to 395. And again, that's just, it's a really beautiful drive along that way and getting up by Mammoth, you know, up by where the ski resort is, which is kind of cool. You can kind of see the lines on the mountain where the, where the ski lanes are. And then, Oh my God, I hit a rainstorm that you wouldn't believe how heavy the rain was while I was up there. It was coming down so fast, so hard that my car was constantly like hydroplaning. It would hit these puddles and I would sort of lose control for like a a second. And so I ended up having to slow way the heck down. My windshield wipers are going at max speed. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this sucks on the drive, but you know, there's a lot of fires up here, right? So that's probably a good thing for the fires. Now I know most of the super big fires are are north of Tahoe. Here I am, I'm still south of Tahoe. And I get through that whole area and all is well. And then I end up rolling into the town of Bridgeport. Now, I had been to Bridgeport maybe two, three years ago. And I met my friend, Jack, who I was meeting up in Tahoe. We had met in Bridgeport because we went out to Bodie. Have you ever been to Bodie? It's right near Bridgeport. Bodie is an old ghost town and it used to be a big time silver mining town. And we drove out there. This is a couple of years ago. And that's a cool trip. If you ever have a chance to go to Bodie um, and it's in the kind of this middle of nowhere area, but they put up, you know, you can see the church and the the, um, the saloon. You can see the buildings where people lived. And there's still a lot of artifacts that are still there from 150 years ago. Um, and it's a ghost town. So it's been abandoned. Now it's turned into, I guess, like a state park. And you can walk around and tour it. And it's really, really cool. And you can still see some of the mining equipment. You can still see some of their agriculture equipment, some of the wagons that they had, you know, the covered wagons. Um, but a really interesting piece of history. But I've been to that area before. So I, end up, I get to Bridgeport and Bridgeport has another EV charging station, but this is not a free one. This was one of the ones, it was from Electrify America. And I remember when I went through Bridgeport before, um, that charging station never worked. I mean, it's been sitting sort of idle for almost two years and they installed it, but then it wasn't working. And I had heard stories that they were having trouble getting electricity to that site. Well, it was finally working. So I figured I got to try it out. So I went there and I plugged in and I think I was probably at about maybe 50%, maybe 40%. So it was nice to get a little bit extra charge and they're from Bridgeport. And then I continued northbound and 
went through, um, you know, kind of near the border. Uh, when you're on the 395 and you're getting near the Nevada-California border, it's really cool. You're kind of going down there by a river in this kind of gorge, and it's gorgeous through there. I mean, it's just really beautiful. It's a wonderful drive. And then I got up to Topaz Lake, which is right on the border of Nevada and California. And then just north of Topaz Lake, there was an area there that it was clear that there was a big fire because it was blackened on both sides and the fire looked like it was very recent. And, you know, there have been so many fires throughout California. So I remember driving through this section and yeah, it was something, I mean, you could still smell it in the air. So I know that the rains didn't extinguish it, but I'm guessing it was put out probably only maybe a few days before because it still had that smoky smell in the area. So that was kind of trippy. And anyways, I, I, I went through that whole area and then got up to, you know, Carson City. And then I hang a left there and I go up to the top of the hill to get up to Tahoe. And it's interesting. Tahoe is pretty serious elevation above Carson City and Reno. Um, so I had to climb up there in the EV and uh, that all goes great. And then I'm driving around the, you know, the, the, the road that goes all the way around Lake Tahoe. I mean, what a gorgeous area, right? You know, and Tahoe, I know some families, Tahoe is a really, really big deal. Some families, like my friend Jack, his family used to have a condo in Incline Village that they owned. And they would just, you know, vacation there during the winter, during ski season, a lot. They come up for weekends, but um, during the summer, they go there too. It was like a like their second home. Uh, other people I know are really big on visiting Tahoe because it is kind of a magical place. Uh, my family wasn't really big on Tahoe, uh, but that's okay. My family did other things. Um, but so for me, it's always interesting going to Tahoe and kind of drive around. And, you know, there's actually, what's interesting is there are actually beaches on Lake Tahoe, like on, you know, just sandy beaches, which I, for me, it's hard to imagine like a lake and a sandy beach, but, you know, I'm sure that exists in a lot of other places, but it's just a really beautiful area, you know, and driving through Incline Village, you know, it's really built up and there's like a really nice golf course there. And I know some people are probably aghast, like, oh, this is tarnishing nature, but I'm looking at, I'm thinking, man, you know, it's like uh, people have come in here and really upgraded and really made it a really nice place to visit. So anyways, we dro I drove through um, Incline Village, and we had gotten a room at the, the Tahoe Biltmore, and this was in Crystal Bay, which is about, I don't know, like four miles west of Incline Village, right at the state line. Now, not the city state line, which literally exists, or a town state line, which it really actually exists in South Lake Tahoe. This is called Crystal Bay, but it's right on the border. And we were at the Tahoe Biltmore. And the Tahoe Biltmore, it sounds like, right, the Biltmore sounds like a fancy place. Well, this building was probably a brand new hotel, maybe in the 1950s or the 1960s. And it hadn't been upgraded since then. And when you roll in there, you get into the, the elevator. And, oh, my God, the elevator had these old clunky push buttons. There was an old, like, uh telephone on the side of the of the elevator and this paneling that was all dinged up and and um, the carpet was really worn out. And I'm thinking, OK, this is why it was so cheap. But I wasn't complaining. We weren't going to spend much time there at all. Uh, so anyways, get in, get into the hotel room and go, drop on my stuff, see my friend Jack. And we just kind of hung out and talked for a while. And uh, and all was good. And so 
you know, now we're finally there. So I'm, I'm in Tahoe and I'm noticing, by the way, that there is a mask mandate, you know, in the Nevada portion of around Lake Tahoe. And you normally think, well, California hadn't yet enacted a mask mandate, but there is one in Lake Tahoe. Uh, excuse me, there is one in Nevada. And you would think Nevada is more Republican, more Wild West. Now, granted, I know Nevada is a blue state, but there's still, you get into other parts of Nevada and it's, it's like, you know, it's like Trump country, especially in the more rural sections of Nevada. So I figured, you know, Nevada would, would, would be getting, doing a mask mandate much further, much after they did it in California. But I think California hadn't done the mask mandate yet because, you know, Newsom has got a recall election coming up here pretty soon. So anyways, the good thing I have my mask and you had to wear a mask when you were indoors, which is fine. I don't object to wearing a mask. It's not a big deal. Um, and anyway, so by this time now, it was time you know, to, to go to where we wanted to go. So we ended up driving over back to Incline Village and went to the Hyatt in Incline Village, which is a really nice place. It's a really up, upscale hotel. And we were going to gamble there for a little while. And then we were going to um, go out for a nice dinner, like across the street. So we go to this craps table and you know, my friend Jack really likes playing craps and, and he taught me how to play. And he likes to play the what he calls the dark side. So I don't know if you've ever played craps. You know, it's a dice game and you roll the dice and and I'm not going to get into the complexity of it because it's kind of a, got a lot of a lot of things going on. But but generally speaking, when the person rolling the dice rolls a number, that's the number everyone bets on. And then that roller keeps rolling the dice until they roll a seven. And then that's when. The table is cleared of all and all the people gambling lose their money. So in, in craps, a seven is considered bad. That, that's and, and a seven, of course, is the most likely roll of the dice. You know, if you remember back to your statistics and probability classes, the seven is the most likely roll. Well, my friend Jack plays the dark side, which is the opposite strategy. So when someone rolls a seven and a bunch of people lose, that means he wins. So it's it's almost like you know he's figured out the strategy to have your odds of winning as as most closely aligned with the house as possible. And it's not exactly the same odds of the house, but it is super duper close. Um and so you figure, you know, if you go play roulette, I mean god, I mean the odds of winning that are so slim. But here you can play a game, have fun while you're playing to get free drinks and and you put some chips on the table and, you know, there's a there's a strategy to to maximize your odds. And we have a fun time playing it. But when we win, we typically are are quiet, you know, because we don't want to cheer because when we win, that means everyone else lost. But when they win. They all cheer, right? You, that's why you always hear craps tables are usually pretty rowdy, and that's what makes them fun. But when they're cheering, we don't cheer either. We're we're just kind of neutral. It's just like when they when they lose, we quietly and happily take our, our winnings, but we don't make a big fuss about it. Um, but when they win, we figured, okay, let them have their winnings. So we're there, and we're maybe gambling for I don't know, like. 15 minutes and we weren't, we had lost the most of what we weren't winning. And then suddenly they said, Oh, we're going to change the minimum on the table. And it went from a $10 minimum to a $25 minimum. And, 
you know, when you're playing craps, I mean, you, you could play blackjack, $25 minimum. I mean, that's a lot. And granted, blackjack can go fast. I mean, you can lose a bunch of hands in a row and suddenly be in a big hole. But when you're playing craps, you're not just doing one chip. So the minimum for a single chip on the craps table is 25 bucks. But usually you've got chips all in other places of the table. So you could have easily over $100 on the table, maybe even a lot more than $100 on the table. Um, you know, and, and granted, I'm not a big time gambler, you know, so I like to play little money and have fun. And um, and w- when they went to 20, uh, 25 minimum, we say, ah, you know, and so we took a break and we went and went to the sports book there, which was kind of laughable. It was such a small little area and just chilled and talked and was all good. And we had he had made, my buddy made dinner reservations at this restaurant, but it wasn't until like 915 that we were able to get in. Because it's a pretty nice place. So we figured, hey, you want to go back to the blackjack, or back to the craps table and just give it another go. We've got like an hour to kill. I said, all right. So we're back there doing the same thing. And um, when you we're playing the dark side, right? We're playing when we win is when everyone loses and vice versa. And so usually when you're rolling the dice, you know, the dice goes around the table. So when someone craps out and they they lose their roll, it goes to the next guy and it kind of goes clockwise around the table. But whenever it comes to us who are playing dark side, usually we don't roll the dice because we're basically, if we're rolling the dice and playing dark side, it's like we're, it's, it's somewhat like bad karma. It's like you're betting against yourself. It's kind of a weird deal. So normally we don't roll the dice. Well, it got to the point where there was only one other person at the table on the other end. We were on, two of us are on one end of the table, one guy at the other end. And so the other guy, we didn't want to make him roll all the time. So we figured, okay, we'll roll. But when we rolled, we would switch, we would flip, and then we would, we would roll, you know, the traditional way. We would bet the way most normal craps players bet. So the, the dice came to me. And I started, we started betting and I went on this hot streak like you couldn't believe. Oh my God. Um, I, I, we were there for like an hour. I, I was up $700. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And um, my friend Jack was up like 1100 And this was like the greatest thing of all time. Now, Grant, I know some people bet way the hell more, win more, most likely lose more. But for me as a small-time gambler, this was amazing. Now, granted, it was a $25 minimum, so I had to put a lot out. But I just, every roll of the dice for me was, I never lost. I just, it was either neutral or I won. And I, I must have kept rolling for like 20 minutes before I finally crapped out. It was insane how long this lasted. It was almost like we were, we wanted to have some video evidence of this to show some of our friends who are also big craps players. But um, I was just winning like crazy. Um, I couldn't believe it. Um, so, I eventually crapped out and then we figured, you know, we needed to tip these, um, you know, craps dealer guys that are on the table. So we each gave $75 tips. I mean, because we were up so much um, and we figured, what the hell? So, you know, good on those guys, you know, that are working the table. And then we headed over to the restaurant. And oh, by the way, when I drove my EV, you know, from Crystal Bay to Lake to the the Hyatt in Incline Village, um, they had free EV charging. <laughs> so now granted, you had to go through the valet section and it was there and 
it didn't you didn't have to be in the paid parking lot because they had like a paid area. Um, it was in the free area. And so I drove my EV plugged in. Now, granted, this wasn't a high speed charging station, but it worked and it was great. And so I don't know, I got probably, I don't know, maybe 10 percent extra charge on my battery. And I was happy because I love taking advantage of all the free charging that you get with the EVs, which is cool. So then we ended up figuring, OK, I'm not going to leave my car at the Hyatt Regency there in Incline Village when we go across the street to another restaurant to go get dinner. So we got in the car and drove across the street and parked it. And so um, we ended up going to this restaurant. It's called the Lone Eagle Grill. And I I highly recommend this restaurant. It is nice. Now, it's expensive. It's very expensive. Um, And I think I got like a filet mignon and it was not very big, and it was like forty bucks, and everything's a la carte. So I had a, you know, got a salad a la carte, and you know, so we ended up doing that, and had a great time, and it was a really nice place for dinner, and and then by this time, you know, we were really happy, right? We, you know, my 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 buddy was up eleven hundred bucks, I was up seven hundred dollars. We just had this really nice meal, and we're doing great, right? And so at this point, we decide, okay, let's just go back. Uh, not back to the Hyatt Regency and gamble, but instead, let's just go back to the hotel. And granted, over there by Crystal Bay, there's a number of other places. We figure we can go gamble there. So we roll into um, God. Where was it? It was the uh, was it maybe the Crystal Bay Casino? Might have been the name. And we go in there and um, we play craps again, and I lost all the money. <laughs> now, granted, I. I was up 700, right? And so out of that 700, I paid for dinner, okay? And I paid for my share of the hotel room. Um, But then of the remainder, I lost it all. So I ended up breaking even, although I did have my, um, my hotel, my really nice meal. Most of my drinks were paid for as through my winnings. And then on top of it, remember I told you I was driving up, getting all this free charging on my drive up and using all these free gift cards that people had given me. So I'm like on this trip, I'm like having a great time. And granted, I won money. I lost money. No big deal. But it's still entertaining and I'm having a great time. And so then after we were, after we, we had lost that money at the craps table in Crystal Bay, so we went back to, to the Biltmore and just hung out and just – we talked and talked because, you know, it was a good friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a long time. And we we, looked, we were watching. I was like sports on one of the stations. And by the way, this this old hotel room, it didn't even have a flat screen. It had an old CRT television screen, you know, with like a convex tube screen. And, um, and there were very few outlets in the room. It was just a really old hotel. Um, but we ended up staying up till five in the morning talking. And I had a great time just chatting. And then we're like, oh, my God, it's five in the morning. And so um, we, we ended up crashing uh, for like four or five hours. And by this time, it's Sunday. And I figure, OK, it's time to come home. Um, so I got a little bit more. I want to I share the rest of this podcast. But granted, I, <laughs> there's, I went a little bit long on the COVID piece. But I still want to talk about my trip home because it was kind of fun and very interesting. And I want to share that part of it with you. Um, so said goodbye to my buddy, Jack, and I headed out and then I went down the hill from Tahoe back down to Carson City and then I charged up there. And I, I because, because it's in kind of one of the more metro- metropolitan areas of Nevada, it wasn't free. So I went to an EVgo, plugged in. Um, I was really low. I was probably only about 30 percent. I got a little extra there right on when I was at the Hyatt Regency. 
of, of charge, but I hadn't charged since Bridgeport. I drove Bridgeport all the way up the 395, crossed the, uh, by Topaz Lake into Carson City, over the hill, into Incline Village, and I was really low. Got a little bit juice in, in Incline Village, headed back, and I was about to head into the desert in Nevada. I remember I, I wasn't sure how I was going to drive back. And it wasn't until that morning that I finally made my decision because I didn't want to come back the same way on the 395, even though it's a beautiful drive. I figured I just did that like two days ago. And I didn't want to go back along the five because I was planning on staying for a couple of days to work. And I didn't want to like stay in Modesto or Fresno. Granted, I could have gone into the mountains areas and there's places you could stay up there, but then I didn't know what kind of Wi-Fi connection there'd be. God knows, are there going to be fires up in the mountains? And so I figured I'm not going the five or the 99. I had a hankering to go all the way out to the 101 because there's still, I'm working on a a project to visit all of the missions in the state of California. And I've been to half of them. I've been to 11 of the 21. And the next batch of missions I want to visit are in that Salinas area, um, Salinas, Monterey, San Juan Bautista, that's my next zone I want to visit. So I was thinking of going there, but I was like way out of my way and there weren't a whole lot of B- Airbnb selections. So then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go through the, the, the desert in Nevada. And I had made that trip once before, but I had looked on my Airbnb and there was a pretty interesting looking Airbnb in the town of Tonopah, Nevada. And Tonopah is, you know, for lack of a better you know, for just to make it simple, it, it's like roughly halfway between Reno and Vegas. So I said, okay, I'm just going to book an Airbnb there. I don't really, I've driven through Tonopah, but I have no idea what the city is about. So I'm going to check that out. So I ended up driving. I was fully charged in Reno. I went out on the highway 80 on the old highway 80. And I, which I had made multiple trips on that road back when I was a little kid, my parents used to drive from Burlingame, California to Kearns, Utah, to visit my stepfather's mother and father. Um, but I hadn't been on that road in a long time, <laughs> really, since I was a little kid. So we're on, in, I'm in Carson City, work my way up to Reno, get on the 80, and then eventually I make my way to this town called Fallon, Nevada. And it's, Fallon's a decent-sized city, but you know, by this point, this area of Nevada is a lot more agriculture. And go in there, and guess what? Free charging. Right. So I charge for free. That's great. But I'm driving through this town and, you know, you're usually hauling butt when you're going down these roads in the middle of the desert, Nevada. Well, as I approach the city, you know, speed limit drops to 55. Then it drops to 45. Then it drops to 35. Then it drops to 25 miles an hour. So when you're going through the downtown area of Fallon, Nevada, the speed limit is 25 which is shockingly slow, which from their perspective is a good thing, right? Because they don't want a bunch of Yahoo travelers blazing through their city and, you know, making it dangerous. But it's perfect as a speed trap for the cops to pull people over. So, I mean, I kind of recognize that right away. So I was, you know, staying within the speed limit the whole way because I know my son, when he was, he made that mistake driving through a, a little town in Texas, and got rung up. Um, and so I was aware because of the experience he had. Well, get to Fallon, charge up. It's free. That's cool. And then I head southbound. I don't know what the heck 
number road it was, but I'm going through and I get down to Hawthorne. Have you ever been to Hawthorne, Nevada? There's a huge lake there in the middle of the friggin' desert. And there's like a gigantic army depot there where they've got all this army gear and trucks. And I mean, it's like an, like an army base in Hawthorne, Nevada, not Hawthorne, California, like near Los Angeles, but Hawthorne, Nevada. And there they had a free charging station. I was like, cool. I'm going to plug in. That was part of my plan. I was going to, you know, charge up in Hawthorne, but the machine was broken. It didn't work. And there's not any more charging stations until you get to Tonopah, which is over 100 miles to go. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I look and I granted I had enough, but not by much. So I, um, I think I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I might have had like 120 or 130 miles of range on my car but it was 100 miles to Tonopah. I might have some of my numbers uh, slightly off. But, you know, I didn't have a lot of wiggle room. I guess my point. So anyways, I head south and I'm driving and uh, going through just a whole lot of nothing out there. And then I eventually roll into Tonopah. And um, and there they had free high speed electric charging. And so I charged my car there and and then went and got a bite to eat over at the um, uh, the Tonopah station, which is kind of like a, a casino and a hotel, almost like a truck stop in a weird way um, and charged my car. And then I went looking for my Airbnb. And so by this time, it's like late Sunday afternoon. And I mean, you know, and again, Tonopah, you drive through this town and there's, there's a, you know, gas station. There's like a, like an old downtown with brick buildings and it looks like a wild, wild west town, you know, in for a, like two or three blocks of the city. But then the rest of it, you look around and you can sort of see, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit of industrial, but it's kind of an old town, kind of a worn out town. And so I'm driving through the residential section of Tonopah looking for my Airbnb, which I know is in an old house that had been upgraded. And I'm driving through this area and it immediately reminds me of one of my trip I made with my wife to Butte, Montana. I did a whole podcast about that trip because I had I when I was researching my family history a lot of my family lived in Butte, Montana, and they were miners. Well, Tonopah is an old mining town. You know, they, I remember I read some of the history while I was there. They had discovered the second largest silver um, load in, in the state of Nevada, you know, but it was like 100 years ago or 100 and something years ago, a long time ago. Um, and the city, you know, it still has some mining that goes on, but nowhere near what it used to be. So um, a lot of those those houses in Tonopah are really old homes that were built for miners, but they were a lot of the houses were very, very run down. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of, you know, the kind of a classic thing in some of these old towns where there's a lot of poverty. There's um, old broken down cars on people's lots and just a lot of junk around. And so in Butte, Montana was kind of like that too, but Butte, Montana was a much bigger city and had still a certain sense of elegance in some of its history, uh, but still a very worn out old mining town. But Tonopah was like a miniature Butte. That's what it felt like to me. And I eventually found my Airbnb and it was this small house and uh, from the outside, it didn't look very good. It was an old, worn out building. And I 
got, I went into the, the side lot, you know, because I, I that's the way to get in, the only gate to get into the property. And there was just so much shit all over the back part of the property. But it looked like stuff that was part of like being you know, like the remnants of a remodel, like the old stuff from a remodel that hadn't yet been hauled out. So I work my way, get into the house. And from the outside, it looked like hell. But from the inside, it was a big difference. From the inside, it was actually quite nice. And the kitchen was fully remodeled, the bathroom fully remodeled, and it's still like the living room still had a lot of that old charm, a lot of the like big wood beams in the ceiling and hardwood floors. And so, you know, I'm sure some of it they were going to continue to upgrade it, but the important parts were already upgraded with modern appliances and conveniences. And it was nice. Um, and then what they had done is, you know, granted, this is just like a little, I, I mean, from a square footage perspective, this house couldn't have been more than like a thousand square feet, maybe 900 square feet, one bedroom, one bath. But what they did is they built a loft up above it and they built like a custom stairwell to get up there. And there were three beds up there. Now, you know, if you were traveling with you know, a bunch of kids or whatever, it's perfect. You know, and granted, it's like a low ceiling and it's arched, but kind of cool. Well, cool's cool, like interesting, but not cool like temperature because it was hotter than hell up there. Um, you know, in Tonopah, most of this, I mean, I don't even know if any of the homes had central air conditioning. Usually you see a big air conditioner in a window that's you know, on a plywood platform propped up by a bunch of two by fours holding it up so it doesn't rip the window out from the gravity, from the weight of the of the of the air conditioner. Um, so the place I was in had an air conditioner like that. And then it had two big ceiling fans. And granted, it was in the 90s during the day, but the house stayed relatively cool. It was nice. Um, so I figured this is going to work out. And then, and they had like a big screen TV and a nice leather couch and they had a dining room table that I was able to bring my computer. And I bring along one of my monitors while I'm with, while I'm there. And I was like, this is going to be perfect. So I set up shop Sunday night and then I, uh, hung out, you know, and, um, I think I watched, I'm watching two shows streaming on epics. One of them is war of the worlds, which is this new version of War of the Worlds. It has kind of a Walking Dead kind of vibe to it. So I saw the next episode of that. And I'm also watching this other um, series on epics called Domina, which is about, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, about the Roman Republic and then, you know, Julius Caesar and it was his wife and her family and that, that history. So anyways, I caught a couple of those episodes crashed that Sunday night and, and a little old bedroom and a little old bed that was surprisingly comfortable and then woke up Monday and, you know, now it was time really to go to work. And so for me, Monday was just like a regular day for work for me. I was uh, taking care of my clients. I, and the what I love about this is, the you know, I told you the drives I really like because I can think and I can be away and my mind gets into a good frame of mind. You know, I, I can be more creative. I come up with ideas or new approaches to things. So the drive in and of itself is valuable. Plus I get to listen to some interesting podcasts without interruptions. But when I'm also alone and I'm working like that, I don't have the distractions of home. Um, and I 
don't have really any distractions. So I'm extraordinarily productive and I get a lot done to not only for me to take care of my customers, but I'm also have a lot of personal time for me. So while I'm there, besides knocking down a, a pretty hefty to-do list, which I was really proud of, but I also did a lot of reading. I did, um, you know, a lot of, uh, um, investigation for some new things that I'm pursuing in my business. Um, I was able to really, you know, make it sort of a retreat. Now, granted it was only for one full day, but it was still extremely valuable and, I really, you know, it was, it was extremely productive. And, and I kept thinking to myself, oh, I got to leave Tuesday morning. I wish I could stay here longer, but I had to be back in San Diego for a meeting today on Wednesday. So I figured, okay, um, I've, I, I got to check out Tuesday. And I had a few, I had one big thing I had to do Tuesday morning, but I had a couple more things to do on Wednesday, on Tuesday as well. So I figured, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to wrap it up. And then the other beautiful thing while I'm on these trips is that, I generally will eat a lot better. I know that sounds crazy when you're on these road trips, but um, I usually will make a point of um, getting like a really nice, like a good quality meal, not junk food, but like a quality meal, like at an old diner. And then I don't eat a lot when I'm on these. I'm not having three meals a day. I'm usually only having one meal a day. And so it is a little bit of a cleanse on that as well. So Monday was great. So then Tuesday... I wake up and I'm thinking, okay, I got to pack. I got to check out by 11. But there was one big thing I had to do for a client. This was really interesting. I want to share this story with you. Is my client, I'm not going to say their name, but my client, they're starting up a new business. And they're getting organized around this new business. And they came up with a business name, but they didn't yet have a URL. You know, They didn't have a domain name. They didn't have you know, a .com for their email and for their website. And they asked me, you know, to, I do a lot of the marketing, you know, for the, this group, because th these guys, I've known them for a long time and they were working with one of my other clients, uh, but they, they're no longer there. They started up their own thing. Well, um, they asked me to, you know, do a number of things for them for, in marketing. And one of them is just to secure this domain. Well, the domain was previously owned by someone else and we found out that it had been abandoned, that they were walking away from that domain. And we're like, oh, this is perfect because it was their company name, .com. So we really wanted that. At first, we thought we were going to have to pay like a broker fee and negotiate and try to buy it because it was, it was a domain that wasn't being used. It was someone was squatting on it. It was someone, they didn't have a website set up yet. It was just someone that was holding on to these domains. And they we later found out that they were releasing it. And what happens when it's released is it goes to auction. And there's a whole auction process for these domains. And I had never done the, the auction for the domain before. You know, I've, I've, I've done auctions in eBay, which are always interesting. I haven't done one of those in a long, long time. But I didn't know what was going to happen with this domain. So, you know, we're working through GoDaddy, which... Um, they're always really, I think they do a good job kind of helping manage domains and everything. And so they help us kind of secure the initial bid in the domain uh, for the auction. And it was a seven day auction. And they said that this domain had a street value. They were assuming that it was going to be worth like 1200 bucks um, because they kind of know what the, the marketplace is for these domains. Well, 
we we um, put in a ten dollar bid, and that ten dollar bid sat there day after day after day, and we're thinking, man, we might get this for ten bucks. And I'm checking that morning, and that it was the the auction was going to end around nine forty five in the morning, and. Uh, one of my tasks was to monitor this auction, you know, especially in the last couple of hours. And we got down to an hour before this thing was about to end, no competitive bids. We got down to 30 minutes, no competitive bids. We got down to five minutes before this auction was about to expire and no competitive bids. And I'm thinking, this is great. But then, as you would expect, right there at the end, there was this sudden flurry of activity and people jumping in and bidding and we're almost like, holy shit. And so I was having to manage that process, getting in bids, but we didn't want to lose this domain, but I didn't want to put in a stupid number um, and overpay as well, but ended up going back and forth on this. And so we ended up getting the domain for just under 300 bucks um, and was very happy about that. But that was an interesting process. You know, it was almost like gambling when we were up in, um, you know, at, in, in, in Incline Village, you know, where you get that thrill that, you know, that, that goes on with that process. So ended up securing that domain, which was great. I was, we were really happy about that. But then just as an aside, we got a note that says, okay, you won the auction, but the, the, own, the previous owner of the domain still had like a window of time that they could still reclaim the the um, the domain name, and so we got, we still have to wait for that to fully expire before we can take possession of it. But it was an interesting process. Uh, that that's a whole game, you know, people buying and selling domain names. Um, but it is definitely it's like gambling, like when you're in Vegas. So ended up securing that. Okay, and, and by this time it's Wednesday. It's time to go home, right? So I I had you know I had driven around Tonopah and and I. Figured, you know what? In order to maximize my charge, I better charge up. And by the way, the charging station at Tonopah is free. So I went and charged up. I also got like a really nice breakfast at the Tonopah station. And I was, you know, I, I had my maximum charge that I could have, which for my car was 80%, which is about, for me, the way that I drive, like around 225 miles of range. So I my goal was to, you know, I was going to go through southbound in Nevada from Tonopah to Beatty, where there was a station that was free. I was planning to charge there, but I looked it up on PlugShare, the app that I use, and it was broken. It wasn't working. Um, And then the next charging station was in Amargosa Valley. Um, And so I, I was like, oh, I hope I have enough. But it turned out I did. So I went to the one in Beatty and I, I just tested it just to see for myself. And sure enough, it wasn't working. And I went down to Amargosa Valley and I charged there. Now, Amargosa Valley is pretty close to Pahrump. And I've been to Pahrump a number of times, which is an interesting city in and of itself. You know, all this, this whole area, by the way, is all Trump country. I mean, this is like you're in the backwoods of Nevada. Uh, I remember Pahrump when I was there is very, very very, very Republican and very, very Trump, uh, which is something. But Amargosa Valley is just kind of kind of a really, you know, just a one-stop town. Um, I ended up charging there. And then I, from Amargosa Valley, I went through this windy little road um, through Death Valley and went through Shoshone, California. And going through Death Valley, my temperature outside got as high as 119 degrees, in Death Valley. Um, unbelievable. Now, granted, when I, when, when I was in Tonopah, it was going to be in the low 90s. But Tonopah is a pretty high elevation. 
But you know, by this time, I'm I'm in Death Valley, so it's low elevation. I'm in probably one of the hottest parts of North America. And yeah, 119 degrees. I, I remember I parked the car and I walked outside. I just wanted to experience 119 degrees. And it was nuts. I mean, it was like you were literally in an oven. I mean, you could just feel the energy from the heat just radiating around you. Um, but then I worked my way um, southbound down to Baker, Baker, California, you know, home of the world's largest thermometer. By then it was only... 115. And there I charge. But now by this time, I'm in California. So, um, you know, the, the, the free charging stations in the state of Nevada were provided by the Department of Transportation. The free charging stations that were along the 395 on my drive up to Tahoe were also provided by the California Department of Transportation, or what we know as Caltrans. Well, when I got to Baker, th- this was an area that has lots of EV charging stations, you know, for people that are driving from San Diego and L.A. to Vegas. So there's no freebies here, which is fine. So in Baker, which is interesting is, you know, ChargePoint has like a, a group of ch- charging stations. EVgo has a small group of them there right on the same grounds as the world's largest thermometer. But on the other end of Baker, there's there's a place there are 40 charging stations exclusively for Tesla. You know, it's and it's got, you know, the the solar panels up above, which is great, you know, shade when you're charging your car and it's 115 uh, degrees outside. Well, um next door to that are there were eight more charging stations for non-Teslas. And right now, I, I have the Hyundai Kona. So, uh, but what's interesting is of the 40 Tesla stations, eight of them were occupied. Of the eight non-Tesla ones, which were made by a company, Electrify America, they do a really good job, by the way. I like them. Uh, I was the only one there. So easy, plug in. Um, had to pay, but it was only like 10 bucks. <laughs> and I ended up getting charged up to 80% and then headed southbound. I think I stopped in Barstow and uh, used one of my Starbucks gift cards and then got a Jersey Mike's and then um, a number two Mike's way, by the way, and then um, headed southbound, topped off a little bit in Colton uh, just because I knew I didn't quite have enough to get all the way back to Poway. I was like about 40 miles short of range. So I Charged. I got like an extra 80 miles, so I had a little wiggle room. Um, streamed the Padre game off my phone, um, you know, from my MLB app. And then, um, and the Padres won last night, which was great. And then made my way home. And so by the time I got home, unpacked, got settled in, it was like 8 o'clock. And uh, just chilled. It was a good trip. Uh, during the trip... Uh, the time alone for me is very valuable, especially on the drive, uh, because I can th- I, I, I spend some time thinking and I spend some time also really focusing on some quality podcasts, um, which help me, help, which help me be creative and give me new ideas and new approaches, um, particularly in business. Um, that's very, very helpful because, you know, when I'm at home and you know, I'm working on things, you know, a lot of times there's so many distractions. I get a little chunk here and a little chunk here of a podcast where here I can listen to, you know, an hour, two hour long podcast. And it's awesome. It, I can be completely immersed in it. And it's a perfect thing to do when you're driving down the desert. 
That works great. And then, you know, the time away working with no distractions is wonderful and valuable. And I get time to make it sort of a retreat. I call these trips my sabbaticals because they are. And then also, I was able to see my friend in in, uh, in Lake Tahoe, and we gambled, and we had fun, and I was up 700, and and then used a couple hundred of it, you know, actually more than a couple of a hundred of it for dinner and for um, the hotel room and uh, some drinks. Uh, but then of the rest of it, I lost it almost as quickly as I won it. Um, and then, but it was a good trip. A lot of windshield time, which can be a little bit old, but if you've got something that's really quality to listen to... It makes the trip a lot better. So, um, so anyways, yeah, then I made it to my meeting this morning and I was thinking, and this, this kind of brings me to the final topic that I want to talk about is about the John Riley project. You might be thinking, where in the hell have you been? Right? Like I, I, I did, I did one podcast in the month of July. It was with Catherine Cloward and we were talking about father Joe, right? Cause father Joe had just passed away. Um, and Catherine, you know, has known Father Joe her whole life and had written a book for Father Joe and was good enough to have uh, to introduce me to Father Joe. And I did a podcast with Father Joe. I welcome you to go back and listen to that. Really an extraordinary man. But um, I really wanted to get her thoughts on the passing of Father Joe. So we did a podcast, but that was the only podcast I did in the whole month of July. I think the last one I did prior to that was like in June 23rd, 25th, you know, kind of in the late June. So you know, I had, I had been, since I started doing this live streaming bit, um, I had been going every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at two. And that works great. I mean, um, I, I'm able to fit that into my schedule and I'm get, putting out a lot of quality content, but sometimes it's a lot. It's like too much to do. Um, when you got to prepare for the podcast, you got to do it. And then when you're done with the podcast, you've got to you know, organize the audio files and upload those to all the podcast platforms. And, and then you've got to write up your, you know, your summary and post that in YouTube and all the different things I do. After I do a podcast, it, I probably spend, I have to edit the audio file too. I probably spend an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes kind of wrapping it up after I've done recording it. Um, so when I do a podcast and I've got to prepare and I've got to do it and then I've got to do all the wrap up after it, it's like four hours of my time, three times a week. So that's a lot of time. And so it gets to the point where I was thinking, I think I'm putting out too much content because it's hard to keep up and it's hard to maintain that commitment because I don't get to work on other elements of the John Riley project. Cause I want to do a lot more writing, a lot more blogging. That's part of this project. I want to do a lot more entrepreneurial things within the scope of this project, which I haven't really done it. I haven't had a chance to do. There's a lot more community building that I want to do that I haven't done. You know, we, we've created the John Riley project insiders group on Facebook, but I'll be honest. I, I don't really work that group the way that I should be working it because I, I'm, frankly, I just run out of time. I mean, because I've got, you know, my business and I've got, you know, family and wife and house and I, and I just would run out of time. And then on top of it is that after I would run these podcast episodes, I never really promoted them. Now, granted, here I am, I'm a guy in marketing, but I wasn't really marketing myself effectively. And I wasn't doing the things necessary to really build the audience, to promote the podcast beyond just simply producing the content. And so I, I really decided, you know, I need to take a step back from this. 
And then besides, in late June, I kind of hit a bit of a writer's block. Like we suddenly, when I was doing three podcasts a day, you're thinking, oh my God, I got to do a podcast today. What am I going to talk about? And sometimes I can come out with, I'm going to crank episodes out left and right. But other times um, it's difficult. And sometimes I have those moments where I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. Or I don't want to talk about the same old thing that everyone else is talking about. So um, I hit a little bit of a writer's block there in June. Or I guess I should say a speaker's block in June. But anyways, I've decided what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to do one a week. And that's my commitment to you. It'll be Wednesdays at two, just like we did today. Wednesdays at two, it's the midweek. That makes my Fridays and Mondays easier, especially if I go on road trips. Um, and But I reserve the right to change my mind again, <laughs> just like I'm changing it now. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my commitment to be every Wednesday at two. But there may be times where I'm going to slip in another episode here or there. Sometimes I'll do it as a live stream and I may just pop up. And so if you're subscribing to me on YouTube, you'll know when I come online. Um, when if you follow my John Riley Project Facebook page, you'll know when I come online because it'll be instantly you'll be instantly notified if you listen to the audio only podcast and on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever um, and you subscribe and follow the podcast there, you will also be notified. So hopefully you'll see the, the Wednesdays, you know, the Wednesday at two, I guide live stream on YouTube and Facebook. The audio only portion is usually posted later in the day on Wednesday after I've done editing it and uploading it and the podcast platforms, it has to, um, what's the right word for it? It has to, um, uh, what's the right word? Propagate uh, to across all the platforms. They usually it'll be live in the evening on Wednesday. But anyways, I may, if I choose, come up with additional sort of impromptu podcasts, especially if there's a topic I really want to s- express myself. And who knows, I may come back to doing three a week. But for now, I think I'm just going to go into a one a week uh, for at least the, the short term, um, Wednesdays at two. And I hope you can join me then. And we can make it a good quality event. Um, and and we'll see how that goes. Um, and then that'll give me an opportunity to properly promote. Because one of the things I want to do is, you know, I'm doing these videos. And gosh, we're at a mi- an hour and a half. I want to, f- you know, go back into the video, find like a two-minute or three-minute clip that, that I can then post on Facebook and then boost the post. Right. But in order to do that, I've got to download the video. I've got to edit the video. Then I got to like, you know, graphically enhance the video and then I got to post it and then I got to promote it. And, you know, when you're doing a podcast essentially every other day, which is what Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of sort of is. Um, yeah, I just you run out of time to do everything. It's not like I have a staff of people. It's just me. Um, so I'm going to just go down to one a week and we'll see how that goes. And I think I, I'm going to be happy with it now. Granted, keep in mind, this is episode number 248, which, by the way, that's a shit ton of podcasts. That's a lot. I'm very proud of that. I my I'm still committed to getting to a thousand. And that's why I number these podcasts with a zero in the front. It's a four digit number. This happens to be number 0248. Um, and I did that four digits with the intent that I'm going to get to 1,000. And I'm still going to do that. Um, when you're doing three a week, it can add up quick, right? You can get 150 podcasts in in a year. And it only takes, you know, seven years or so to get to 1,000. 
I've been doing this podcast now for almost three years. So we're at 248. So what is that? That's like 80 episodes a year, which is roughly what? One and a half a week is what I've been doing so far. So we're going to scale back to one a week for a while. And then I reserve my time to go back. Uh, Matthew Brannigan on the live stream says, you will have to stop at 9999. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because then I can't go any further, right? Or else the odometer is going to roll over to four zeros, right? Um, yeah, wouldn't that be something? Now, Joe Rogan, I think, has over a thousand podcast episodes. He might even have as many as 2,000 because he's been at this a long, long time. Um, but yeah, my, my commitment is definitely to get to a thousand. Okay. Um, so anyways, that was my trip. And I hope you enjoyed the story. You know, we, we went off on a little bit of tangents about COVID. And, and like, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think Darwin should take over here with COVID. If you got, get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. That's up to you. But if you don't get the vaccine, be prepared to suffer the consequences of your decision. Um, you may have a very difficult time reporting to work if your work requires the vaccine. And, and if you choose not to do it, you may have to go a lot of thorough testing. Or, you know, again, I don't wish this is on anyone, but you may get sick or worse. Um, but I think that's the only way people are going to learn that getting a vaccine is in their best interest. I, like, I don't support the mandates from government to do it. Not at all. Uh, but anyways, that we, we covered the vaccine. We covered a lot of electric vehicle stuff. We covered a lot of playing the game to get free electric vehicle charging. We had some gambling stories in this one, some, uh, you know, domain auctions on GoDaddy. I mean, this was kind of a crazy episode. So thanks again for listening and thanks for watching. Um, it's August 4th. My commitment to you is to be back here August 11th at 2 p.m. Until then, we'll see you later. Thanks, friends. Have a great day. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.